Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Yeah, there it is! When that robot voice comes in, you know it's time to begin! And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, oh, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to... Woo! Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks, using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, or hey... Maybe you're getting things ready. You're getting into that fall attitude, bundling up, wearing sweaters. Whatever the case, we're going to be in your ear holes for 90-plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our patrons over at patreon.com slash dlcpod. They bring the show to you, their generosity, their support, means we get to keep making these episodes, and oh boy, are we grateful, in exchange. They get some cool perks, including ad-free versions of the show, video versions of the show on demand, which you're going to want to look at this week, I think, and bonus content out your proverbial wazoo. Ladies and gentlemen, you get feeling this. Two seasons of Feeling This with Alex Solman and Christian Spicer talking about the feelings behind video games. You get the podcast version of the DLC Book Club where Lana Bashinsky and myself talk about the Malazan Books of the Fallen and the Wednesday Paid DLC Program. Now, chock full of your comments, patrons get to interact with the show, tell us what they want to talk about every single week, all by supporting the show at patreon.com slash dlcpod. But this show, the main show, DLC, it's the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who has to tell me if he's a cop or else it's entrapment. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. I am not a cop. <laughs> I if you don't looking at the not. at the video version of the show, ladies and gentlemen, you're missing out on a sweet stash, bro. Well, uh, you can probably find a clip from this episode at youtube.com slash at DLC pod because we're putting ooh. some video clips on YouTube. It takes 10 years to start a social media presence. But yes, my Alan Wake beard is gone. I just have a mustache left that I kind of did as a gag, and then my wife said I kind of like it, which me to me meant keep it forever, never change a thing. And yeah. so now my entire personality is just mustache. That is all that I've replaced everything else with uh, mustache. And it's a pretty good, pretty good personality so far. Yeah. Well, it's better than what you had before, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. Hey, hey. Uh, we got lots of video games to get to, ladies and gentlemen. It is an amazing time of year. Stuff's happening. Stuff's coming out. We got tons of huge releases to talk about. We got 
Uh, news, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's a lot. We're going to get through it all, but we have, the good news is we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, I'm excited because once again, DLC stands for detonating large combustibles because we have the host of the Giant Bomb cast, our friend Jan Ochoa is back with us. Hey, Jan. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Christian. Hello. Thank you for having me again, gentlemen. Jeff, has anyone ever told you that you'd probably have a fantastic career as like a wrestling promoter? Oh, if only. Oh, my gosh. Your lips to God's ears. I would, <laughs> in a heart, but I'd give it all up. I'd give it all up to be a wrestling promoter. That'd be amazing. I, I would let you choke slam me through a table. <laughs> oh, that is the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Jeff, I if I ever see you in person and there's like a folding table nearby, oh. I, I'm ready. Oh, I, I, this is an this is audio <laughs> agreement right here. I, uh, I love choke slamming my young children onto the bed. So I I feel like I'm practicing. I feel like yeah. I'm ready for that moment when you two and when you and I finally meet in person. For I will I'll go jump on really high for you. <laughs> Thank you. you I sell, will go on record it. right now and say I'm not going to be a Jeff fan through his first 15 years of being a face. But after that 15 <laughs> years, when he turns heel, I'll be uh, in and I'll buy all the merch, all the black T-shirts. So I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I had a chance one time to meet uh, Jimmy Hart in person. Ooh. Uh, you know, with the micro, we had the megaphone and everything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, that's the, that's the job I could have. Right. I he didn't, it doesn't require any physical acumen at all. No, you know, there's a few times when he got, you know, clotheslined or something, but like once in a blue moon, most of the time he was just outside being loud. I could do that. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think we're all built for that. You know, as podcasters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, well, let's get into it and uh, start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments, questions, recommendations, whatever you'd like us to know. We love hearing from you at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Alternatively, you could also reach out in one of our communities. We have a subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com and a really awesome Discord with folks hanging out, talking about games and all sorts of other stuff. Uh, the Discord is also 5x5dlc on Discord. I urge you to take part. But Jan, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. Ooh. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Uh, this is a sad story of the week, unfortunately, but the th this story's kind of put a, a damper on what is otherwise a fantastic year for video games. The layoffs at Bungie, I think, may be the story of the week. Yes, I mean, obviously, uh, lots of layoffs. It seems like every week we're getting new layoffs. Uh, these, I think, hit people particularly hard uh, because Bungie, you know, is is one of those marquee developers that seems... Uh, seems to be above the fray in, in a large sense and turns out no. Uh, and we got a lot of reporting around this uh, that, you know, it didn't go down. Uh, if you believe the reporting, it did not go down in a very uh, humane, respectful way, which is very, very sad to hear. Um, but this was, um, it Im impacted a lot of uh, Bungie employees and impacted a lot of employees that have been with the company for many years. Some, uh, well over a decade, decade and a half. 
And uh, it kind of happened out of the blue right before the new month turned over, October 30th. Uh, some folks were um, uncere- unceremoniously um, dumped. And, um, you know, uh, this has the, been the reality this year and last year that we keep seeing these huge layoffs. This comes, you know, very closely after Bungie was acquired by Sony for $3.6 billion last year. Uh, and Sony also had layoffs just recently with Media Molecule, another first party, and at Naughty Dog as well. Um, so, Jan, what is your what is your take on what this means for the industry and Bungie specifically? I think you know we're we're currently, and we we've talked about this a lot on the Giant Bombcast as well. It 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 feels like a manufactured problem that folks at the top have been creating, despite having record sales across the board you know video games doing the biggest numbers they've done in years we're still laying off people at the bottom line while folks at the top are you know skirting past the responsibility it's very unfortunate and it just makes me really sad um also just the response from uh folks at bungie almost kind of putting the onus on the players of like well destiny 2 started waning maybe it's y'all's fault that we had to lay people off yeah and just the general messaging to the public internally, you know, the reporting on what we've seen um, where the employees that didn't get laid off are have been said like, oh, well, you know, you guys are the ones that we could really salvage the team. We can really salvage everything with. And I can't help but feel um, that those folks over there at Bungie that are still left and people that are left at various other studios that have experienced layoffs this year must be racked with some type of survivor's guilt where, mm. you know, their peers, whether they've been able to meet them in person, work with them, people that they've been working with for decades, it seems, are now suddenly gone. Like we have the composer, longtime composer Michael Salvatore being laid off. Uh, and he was a f- huge, huge part of Bungie throughout the yeah. years. And that seems absolutely wild. Yeah. And I know having like an in house composer may seem a little bit odd for like game development game development now but when you have someone as um that has create help create so many different themes for Bungie throughout the years it it does seem wild to let him go yeah yeah uh and uh you know a community manager who'd been there for 15 years Liana Rupert uh she was also the co-lead of accessibility um you know just the the Social media lead, um, associate franchise editor. There's a lot of a uh, lot of longtime folks who were a big part of Bungie's successes over the years, and it sounds like they were sort of, you know, they just woke up on Monday uh, with meetings on the schedule where they found out they were fired. Um, it turns out, you know, they they got so, they have three months severance, but uh, which I guess is you know the only silver lining here. But a lot of the team managers evidently weren't told who on the team was being laid off. And they found out as it happened, it was kind of sloppily done, or it seems sort of uh, haphazardly done, uh, if I can use that word. It's unfortunate. Obviously, our heart is with uh, all those folks. And it seems to be this constant refrain in the video game industry, even as we're having this banner year as far as high quality releases and successful releases. Um, Christian, you and I have talked a lot about the, the, you know, the, the trend 
of these games as services sort of collapsing under their own weight. I didn't think it would happen with destiny. Destiny felt like it was uh, a sure thing, but evidently um, even destiny is, is vulnerable to this kind of thing. What, what is your take on how this went down? Uh, poorly uh, is, is how it went down, I think is, is my take. I don't think it was a good way that it went down. I struggle with the have your cake and eat it to approach that companies seem to take with we are family. And if we all just, you know, we got to get through this crunch. I'm using a generic example here, but you know, this is a tough time. We got to tighten the belt, but Jan and Jeff, if we just pull through this together, you know, cause we believe in each other, we're the right people for this and we can do it and we'll come through this on the better and brighter. And once we get this X product out, everything is going to be great. And cause you know, we've got each other's back through thick and thin, then cut to X number of months later. Uh, Jan and Jeff, you're being let go. It is nothing personal. Um, just the revenue numbers weren't what they need them to be on a spreadsheet. You're the people that are expendable. This look, we're just we're just a collection of numbers on a spreadsheet. None of us are family. It's like this. It's just it's grotesque. Yeah. It's grotesque. And I'm making a, a flippant joke about it, but it's grotesque. And I think um, far too often the companies uh, uh, prey on a communal feeling and abuse that relationship to overwork individuals and not think of them as human beings when the time comes to make cuts. And uh, the way it sounds like these things happened at Bungie was poor in messaging and in the delivery. And I don't think Bungie's official statement when it came out was great either. Uh, As Jan mentioned, we've got the core team now. It's going to turn this around. And another part to this story um, that frustrates me is is uh, the reporting that this happened because Destiny missed its targets, its financial projections by 45% is the number I saw going around. Yeah. And, and that doesn't seem like that was the community manager's fault. Uh, I don't think no. any amount of community management gets you 45% more uh, golden hens, you know, or whatever it is, golden geese. Uh, and it, it sucks, Jeff. I don't. I wish I had a you know a, yeah, a silver bullet to <laughs> pierce this and fix it. But it sucks, and um, I don't. I don't know what the path forward is. I'm I'm happy to see unioniz- unionization at Disney's VFX houses. That is also an industry that is computer based, programming based, often yeah. and uh, full of layoffs. And we've talked about it on this show a bunch. I would like to see unions. Um, come to the games industry in a big way. And I know Jeff, you and I stand strong with SAG-AFTRA as we are still on strike um, Indeed. as a union. So, Yeah, Jan, I'm, I'm curious what your take is on the sort of uh, bigger context of all this. I mean, obviously, you know, this has been a thing that was been recurring throughout the year mm-hmm. and throughout the last few years is these massive layoffs over and over and over again. And, you know, it feels like we're, you know, we're on that, that party on the balcony and we're like, this party's amazing. Look at all the cool stuff on this bed. Look at that band and this band. Oh, this is incredible. While like underneath the balcony, like the foundation is, is crumbling or, you know, it's a terrible analogy, but you know what I'm saying? That this idea that here we are celebrating, I think 
one of, if not the most impressive year of all time for video game releases. Mm-hmm. And what what what's right around the corner? Are you know these these companies are kind of um, you know rotting away from the inside in a sense? Uh, do, you, do you share that view, or do you think there's a rosier take? I I'd like to see both sides, right? Where where I think a lot of the corporate decisions have kind of created the rot where you know they're we're chasing trends that don't need to be chased right putting all of our eggs in the games as a service basket when it turns out the gaming general gaming audience is straying away from that i do agree with christian i think something like unionization should definitely be brought to the video games industry just for general worker protection i mean we have folks that move across the country across the world even to work at a specific studio, maybe a dream studio that they want to work for. And especially, you know, I was under the assumption with Bungie being bought out by Sony that they would have like some type of protection, some safety underneath that Sony umbrella that has kind of hasn't faced as many layoffs compared to other places in the industry. Um, so I definitely think the gaming industry as a whole has is is on the cusp of realizing as we are on this rooftop party that things aren't so great that uh maybe the music's a little too loud we gotta go back inside and maybe that band isn't that great maybe i don't like ska it's all right that's okay <laughs> whoa whoa okay now I, as uh, a hypothetical as a hypothetical okay, got it. i'm back i'm back right <laughs> okay, now. i'm back okay. i'm back yeah. thank <laughs> you for making my terrible analogy work that's, 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 that, it was a great analogy um but yeah i, I think like uh, as a as a the gaming industry, and that includes games media and, and developers, publishers, folks working across the board, n- need to band together because otherwise, what is going to happen? Who's going to continue making these games other yeah. than people that are being cruelly exploited? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the best of times, worst of times kind of situation, and right? It's, and it's, like uh, we, we yeah. have a year where like. I have said this multiple times across the internet. Some of my favorite games of all time have come out this year. Yeah. And it just stinks that um, there are folks hurting from this year, from an yeah. amazing year in games. Yeah. Agreed. And I, I don't want to say AI is the answer because I think to some people that is like, how do you keep costs down as all this stuff is rising? But I do, and I, I don't have the answer, but I do wonder how you kind of avoid this even cyclical style approach of, well, I don't need a staff of a thousand right now because we're brainstorming. I don't need an in-house composer, for example, right now because we're 18 months out away from needing a score. But I feel like there has to be some other way of this staff up, cut staff, staff up, cut staff. And I I think the way the movie industry did it is that all those talents unionized those different groups because you do see that once the studio system collapsed you would see oh you staff up and you get this director this producer this grip this you know all of this crew and then they work this project and then they all disband and then they come up to another one and i don't know if there's a model like that in gaming gaming right now very much is the studio system uh (laughs) you know not an exact parallel jeff to how the hollywood the movies uh world was the studio system but I feel like there has to be some learning in a way that can make it livable and kind and decent to folks while also understanding the quote unquote business reality that no game needs 10,000 people or five studios across the world or whatever a Ubisoft game is 
when you're going, what's our game going to be? And I don't yeah. know how those two meet, but I feel like there has to be, there has to be a solution. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, like we said, uh, you know, our heart goes out to the folks that were affected. Uh, if you read some of the comments from some of the folks that got laid off, it's, it's heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, it keeps happening over and over. So hopefully there's a way out. Uh, Christian, what is your story of the week? Um, my story of the week is a precursor to layoffs. No, <laughs> I don't know. My, my story of the week is an acquisition, <laughs> <laughs> which is usually the 36-month precursor um, to layoffs. Uh, I hope not. But Atari, which this is – so I'll say the headline. Atari is acquiring digital eclipse and said as a statement in and of itself, I think that makes sense that people can wrap their head around, but what maybe doesn't make as much sense is what Atari is right now. The hotel company? No, no, no. The Bluetooth hat company. Oh, <laughs> those guys. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, that Atari. Um, Cause Atari has been a million things over the last, half a week it feels like the last decade or so but the brand's been sold i think an apparel part was sold off to use the brand just for apparel that's different which is where that speaker hat came from and then they came back into a core gaming thing and digital eclipse uh on the other side of things has been making banger retro re-releases for a very long time now they did the more recent atari collection that was a celebration of all things atari and had a really cool um, like vid docs included and like a library and really, really awesome presentation. And I think they worked on the system shock remake, pretty much everything digital clips has touched, especially recently has been very top tier in terms of these re-releases and um, remasters or whatever you want to call them. And I'm very curious, um, Jan, kind of your thoughts on, on what Atari buying a company means maybe for Atari <laughs> more so than digital eclipse you know i think this can finally um give atari a modern identity by acquiring digital eclipse who's made a name for themselves lately about remaking old games so they're redefining themselves by making what is old new again um because in my head i've always thought of atari as like the retro studio right yeah. um and i never really had any context for that but now they kind of are the retro studio by remaking all of these older games. Um, I personally, one of the things that Digital Eclipse has worked on, really, really absolutely adore the Cowabunga collection. Um, so if we can get more stuff like that, like celebrations of games, like a shot in the arm of something older uh, and just modernize it just a little bit, I'm all for that. Especially if, you know, this seems like a proper strategy that Atari should go down versus making speaker hats or hotels. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think they should stay in the speaker hat business. <laughs> we're, we're just weeks away from that really taking off, you guys. Um, you know, we, we laugh, but when everybody's walking around with speaker hats and you don't have one, you're going to be pretty upset. Uh, 2040 you know. people will make fun of VR and be like, you wear goggles <laughs> on your head. No, it's speakers on your hat. That's what it is. Uh, so Atari also uh, acquired Night Dive Studios, which are the folks that did the System Shock. Remake. Oh yeah, they did System Shock. That's right. Yes, thank you. Uh, and uh, yeah, so and and you know the Disney Classic Games Collection oh, was right. Digital Eclipse, the Cowabunga Collection. So 
it does feel like they are focusing. I think Jen, you, you hit the nail on the head that like they're figuring out this identity for themselves by acquiring people that have been doing <laughs> the stuff that you hear the word Atari and you feel like, Oh yeah, they should be the people that like specialize in retro awesomeness. And it's like, Oh no, we'll go out and get the folks that are doing retro awesomeness and put them under our banner. And there, there you go. Now people know what I uh, Atari means, you know, as somebody that grew up in the eighties and had an Atari 2600 as my first gaming console, Atari and just the logo of Atari. I mean, it's like a hot topic t-shirt, you know, it means something. It still has cachet in some sense. Um, and I think this is the absolute right use of that IP is to f- be the place where you can, can rely on awesome sort of retro experiences and it does seem like that's what they're they're focusing in on. And I think that's really cool. Um, so the, here's the quote from the Atari CEO, Wade Rosen. Uh, Digital Eclipse is the best in the world at what they do. They have a deep love and respect for the history of games and are renowned for developing critically acclaimed projects based on historic franchises. So it's like they, they're, they're really explicitly saying it. Like we have – we are historic franchises – they're awesome at making new games about historic franchises or sort of revitalizing them. It's a match made in heaven. And uh, Digital Eclipse is even, you know, kind of on that same page. Digital Eclipse's uh, FAQ on their website says, we're a small studio with big dreams. Atari is a legendary publisher with a new spirit. That's cool. I love yeah. it. I, I'm rooting for Atari to sort of reclaim its mantle of, you know, industry relevance, really. Uh, which is it long, you know, long not had. <laughs> so I think this is cool. I think this is cool. And, you know, 20 million bucks in the age of, you know, 79 mil- billion or whatever it was, 60 billion, 20 million feels like a drop of the bucket. It's like, uh, oh, cool. They're just kind of scrappy young upstarts, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I think this is cool. Yeah, it's the number sides of things I think are interesting in terms of, you look at valuation and this is a very cursory job of this, but like what money that they have coming in and what is their brand worth and how much are they struggling between gig to go out and find Disney or find the next thing to get the next project. And then now Atari coming in with this capital hopefully secures them, but it didn't seem like, again, it's tons, you know, uh, but gives them that runway now to kind of transition into the next thing and hopefully not, need to go i imagine negotiating the disney license to pitch to bring that back and then nickelodeon with tmnt and konami or whoever had these rights is tricky and expensive and hopefully this gives them runway to keep doing that while still being profitable and it's not the thing that wipes uh atari out as well (laughs) yeah Um, well yeah that's the that's the dark cloud <laughs> version well, that, of I mean, this. <laughs> I don't want to go back and listen to it. And dear audience, if you do feel free to, you know, post it, the select quotes in our discord. But I feel like when Embracer bought up studios, Jeff, I, th- I have to imagine you and I were like, they're going to save some studios that would otherwise yeah, go yeah, under. Yeah. And it's like, I, yeah, monkey no. Paul was like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting a new saints row game. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh no. Oh no. It's true. You have to acknowledge that that's been the pattern uh, in some cases. So uh, let's hope it doesn't happen here because I think this is a, a potentially really cool way to sort of uh, revitalize the history of games and the, and the history of this, you know, this thing that mattered to me at a, at a certain point in my life. Atari meant something. 
And, you know, it hasn't for a long time. So I think that's... Uh, speaker hats. Uh, Come on. Don't... Speaker hats. Yeah, thank you. Speaker hats. Uh, all right. My story of the week is BlizzCon. BlizzCon. We had a BlizzCon this year. We haven't had a BlizzCon in a while. And I got to say, I think... I could be wrong. I think... Yeah, time is a flat circle. But I think this is the first BlizzCon other than when my son was born that I have missed. Uh, and it would probably be... Uh, more of a trend now because I live in Denver. But, um, you know, this is the I, 17th, aside from the when my son was born, but now this yeah, is the 17th BlizzCon. Yeah, I want you to keep years calling it out. When yeah. You yeah. Have it. yeah. Um, I used to, you know, I love going to BlizzCon. I've, I've been many, 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 many times and uh, di- was not there this year. This was a, uh, a strange year for BlizzCon. Obviously, you know, it, it there had been, uh, tumults with with blizzard and and now this big acquisition by microsoft and so uh the fact that they were even having a blizzcon at all is kind of interesting and also chris metzen coming back to the company we talked about uh, several weeks ago when that was announced um so this was kind of a an interesting blizzcon and i think made some interesting news because uh not only did we get uh diablo 4 expansion announcement coming in late 2024 with a new class that they have not yet revealed, but is evidently not just a, a class that we've seen before in the franchise, but a completely new class. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. We got a new character for Overwatch. We got a new Hearthstone expansion, but and and a new uh, WoW Classic is going to get Cataclysm. The the old Cataclysm expansion is coming to WoW Classic. Very interesting stuff across the board. But for my money, as somebody that loves World of Warcraft and has loved World of Warcraft for well over a decade. Um, the fact that we get not one, but three World of Warcraft expansion announcements, uh, they're grouping them now as a trilogy of expansions uh, that are going to tell one large narrative. They're calling it the World Soul Saga. Uh, and the first of these expansions is coming in 2024. It is going to be called The War Within, which will evidently be taking place subterraneously uh, under the surface of Azeroth, uh, hence the war within and the, the soul of the world literally going inside the world. Uh, and then the, the next two expansions are called Midnight, which is interesting. And then the last one is called The Last Titan. So we don't know when those are, are slated or what they will uh, include, but, we, but it's the first time they've announced three expansions at once. And the fact that these are grouped together in one big story is kind of interesting. Um, lots of, you know, nitty gritty granular details about what this first war within uh, expansion will feature as far as uh, new, you know, things to do and stuff, which is all interesting to me as a, 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 war, a wow fan. But I think on a meta level, on a macro level, uh, Jan, I'm curious, we just got done talking about destiny two and uh, games as service and the the sort of waning of them and you know wow has gone through its peaks and valleys and lots of more valleys recently than peaks um what do you make of this quite old franchise that still costs 15 bucks a month to play um talking about three expansions talking about really trying to revitalize that community do you think do you think wow's time has passed or do you think this is a uh, a, a way for this game to be even more relevant i think it's a, a p- definitely a path forward to relevancy again it's 
really astonishing and, and heartwarming to see a behemoth like WoW to continue to keep going. Maybe, maybe not necessarily growing, but at least it can recapture some of the audience that may have lapsed, you know? Um, yeah. I am all for MMOs continuing to be like a silent storm brewing in the background of AAA games, uh, battle royales releasing. Like we have World of Warcraft, uh, Final Fantasy XIV still pulling strong. There's yeah. a Lord of the Rings MMO as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I think there is still at least a couple hundred folks still playing EverQuest 2 out there. <laughs> so as, as long as those people are still around, but also, I, you know, folks, the children, the youth I hear are starting to play WoW. Like there's there's something about it to them where it feels retro and it feels insulting to say that WoW feels retro, but it is there's an odd appeal to it because these these young gamers have grown up with something like an Animal Crossing, uh, Stardew Valley, something very systems heavy, and they they see the carrot in the loop or a carrot on the stick with World of Warcraft. Um, my partner is a teacher, and she was flabbergasted to hear her students freshman in college mind you or freshman in high school mind you to talk about world of warcraft it's the 90s too. go for it you know yeah. like that it's i remember playing wow on my atari 2600 <laughs> while you were wearing your speaker hat, <laughs> my speaker hat. yeah uh that's that's heartening i'm actually kind of excited to hear that the kids are you know the kids are uh thinking about wow in any way at all um i think gone are the days of you know 12 14 16 million uh, monthly subscribers. I don't. I don't know if they're ever going to re recapture that kind of heyday. But there were some rumors swirling before this BlizzCon because there was all this sort of percolating excitement about this being a really big deal. BlizzCon, uh, as far as announcements go, and I think that has borne out. But I think some people were suggesting that they might be phasing out uh, WoW and and maybe doing sort of a, a World of Warcraft two or whatever the next big thing was. And this could not be farther from that, right? This is like, we have three expansions planned. We're all in on WoW still. You know, this, this is still our flagship product. And uh, I'm, I'm genuinely surprised by that. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for it, right? I'm back in that. I know, Christian, I know you still have a lot of issues with uh, management at the top. And I, I certainly can sympathize with that. But as somebody that that deeply cares about this game and has it has been such a big part of my life uh, in many you know intermittently right not constant I'm not a constant WoW subscriber but intermittently it has been a huge part of my life over many many years and I'm kind of excited about some of these uh, these features that they're talking about and this grand idea of like we're elevating this to to a to a size and scale you know Metzen got on stage and said, this is the culmination of the first 20 years of our storytelling and will vector us into the next 20 years of adventure. So they're talking about it in grandiose terms. I'm curious, Christian, what, what you might think about it. Well, I want to rewind back a little bit too, to the beginning of BlizzCon with um, Phil taking the stage, yeah. having a P. Diddy moment. He, he you know? walked out like, and went, I own all of this. It, it, I mean, again, <laughs> it's the 90s, go for it. It felt very P. Diddy, you know, like I am the producer. I'm having my moment in the sun and nah, 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 nah. And it's like, yeah. I know that was a Will Smith riff, but you get what I'm saying. Um, and just this, this big moment that set 
BlizzCon apart from other BlizzCons. It is Xbox colon presents colon BlizzCon now. And I wonder, Jeff, my question back to you is my way of not answering your question is <laughs> 2024 or 2025 when these expansions come out, are they free with Game Pass? Wow. I mean, Riot uh, already gives you tons of stuff oh. free with Game Pass, and Microsoft doesn't own Riot. You know, if you want to play a Riot game, in my humble opinion, who is not, I fell off Valorant because I sucked. Uh, <laughs> love, the, love the world. I believe you were pushed off of Valorant repeatedly, yeah, and you're like, I, I was like, what what I want to play. This? I want to play. And they're like, thump, you're dead. Thump, you're dead. I'm like, okay, 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 cool, cool, cool. Um, but the best way to play Riot games, again, my opinion, someone pushed off, is through Game Pass. Like the amount of value you get through that sub of a company sure. Microsoft does not own. <laughs> I have to guess that they're going to incentivize Game Pass Ultimate if it's not on console by then when this stuff rolls around, right? Question mark? I, I, yeah, also, go ahead, Jen. Sorry uh, to pop in. Um, no, please. Final Fantasy XIV proves that you can have an MMO run perfectly fine on console and play it with a controller versus mouse and keyboard. I'm sure that the folks at WoW have uh, tried to adopt that and I mean, we saw the hubbub of this week of Modern Warfare 3 popping onto Xboxes nationwide uh, with a huge advertisement. What if that just includes WoW down the line? I'm a, that would be wild. Um, I'm, I'm curious, Christian, if your vision for this is that the expansions themselves are part of Game Pass, but you still have to pay the 15 bucks a month to play WoW. Or if it's all included. I, I, I'm pitching all included at some point for Game Pass Ultimate or whatever they call it. I do think yeah. maybe this was a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was a Wednesday show. We talked about it. At some point, we talked about like Game Pass stratifying, splintering a little bit more and kind of like Game Pass Core. They use the Game Pass term for what used to be Xbox Live Gold. And so I could see further diver diversification of what they call it. But I have to imagine, and this isn't our prediction episode, so I'm allowed to get it wrong when I just pull crap out of my butt right now. Uh, but I have to imagine that there's a world where, or a tier where all of that Blizzard monthly sub is rolled. And maybe it will be a $30 or $25. Like, you know, it's like $5 cheaper than doing both kind of thing. But there's a yeah. world where you get all of it. That's interesting. It. That's interesting. I'd be curious. I... <clears throat> I don't know. I, it, it, they certainly, as much as WoW has uh, ebbed and flowed over the the decades <laughs> at this point, uh, they have never really, I mean, they've added that sort of free-to-play first, whatever it is, 10, 20 levels, whatever it is that's free-to-play. They added that, but they've never faltered on, like, this is the price to play this every month. And uh, I think that would be a pretty bold move if, if all of a sudden it was folded into some larger uh, subscription, I mean, I, I'm, I would be excited about that. I could see a, I could see a situation where you still have to pay to play the game monthly, but the actual sort of, you know, expansions themselves are part of the PC plan or something. Um, I think there's probably a lot of discussion at Microsoft right now about that. You know, we saw the announcement right away of like, Hey, don't think that call of duty or, uh, Diablo four are going to come to game pass tomorrow just because we closed this deal. You know, we saw that happen. It's like, we, we got to figure this out. So I'm curious. I'm sure there's a lot of discussion about all that stuff, but 
you know, it's wild to me that you have a product that's been around this long, you know, as, as Metzen says, 20 years and, uh, they're thinking, they're talking about the next 20 years. Like, can you imagine a, a video game that, that you could play co- consistently for 40 years? That just seems wild to me. That's I mean, Rockstar thing. has, it's called Grand Theft Auto five and they're over 10 years into that <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, or whatever point they are yeah um, they seek they're they're doing a sequel right these yeah, uh, maybe lizard ain't <laughs> you know i don't know uh it's pretty exciting i thought this this some of the stuff in blizzcon was was pretty cool and um clearly you know they're all in on wow and uh i heard no mention of here's the storm <laughs> but <laughs> that's my single tear goes down my cheek all right well we got a lot of games to get to so let's do it But first, we need to tell you about our sponsor, Uncommon Goods. If you want to hear, hey, where'd you get that this holiday season? Ha ha! Uncommon Goods is your secret weapon. Uncommon Goods is here to make your holiday shopping stress-free by scouring the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everyone on your list. Whether you're shopping for your secret Santa or for your entire family, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. Christian, I know that you were a fan of Uncommon Goods for a long time now, right? Yeah, well before they were uh, sponsoring this show, we used it for gifts for my kids for birthdays. So one we did recently is uh, it's a poster, National Park poster. And you can have it customized, so it has their name on it and everything, and it's re- it's awesome. So you know, like those, uh, like a, a lotto scratch off kind of thing, or when you get like a gift card, you have to scratch the silver yeah, part off yeah. to see the barcode. So it's that. It's this awesome poster with those scratch offs, like that silver scratch off stuff of really cool art of all of the national parks in the United States. And then uh, when you so visit you, like, them, Mark, when you've been there, yes, and then you scratch awesome. it off, and it's this beautiful cartoon now colored version of the image really really cool customized super special unique it's, it's kind of a have it forever you know kind of thing as you check these things off the list really great and then my wife also used them um a couple months ago for a gift she had a colleague who was um moving to a different location and so they had like a big going away party and guess who showed up with like the gift of the party my wife where'd you get it uncommon goods it really is that thing that's like special unique feels cool other people are like oh we have the same thing that we all saw <laughs> yeah, know, at the yeah. store and i you got a gift special. card to starbucks mm-hmm. right. yeah, yeah yeah and this feels so, personal uh and really cool and when you shop at uncommon goods you're supporting artists and small independent business businesses which is awesome and the, the products are made often in small batches so you want to buy you know you want to get there quickly before they sell out because Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality and unique and often handmade or made in the U.S. Uh, and they have the most meaningful out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere, from art to jewelry to kitchen and home and bar. Uncommon Goods has something for everyone. And every purchase made at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. So, to get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash DLC. That's uncommongoods.com slash DLC for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. 
uncommon goods. We're all out of the ordinary. And talk about the games we have been playing in the playlist. We have some of the biggest games of the year dropping, having dropped. I mean, it's November, right? November is, is traditionally the time. But I feel like there's been huge games all year long in, in this 2023. Uh, I don't know if anybody – I guess people had this marked on their calendars. Alan Wake 2 was a big deal. But, Jan, I feel like it has exceeded people's expectations. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I thought the f- – first half of this year was very loaded with banger after banger um i thought i was honestly done for the year after tears of the kingdom dropped um <laughs> but then the year kept going and so did the game releases in just a bunch of gems across the board um just wrapped spider-man 2 absolutely adored it big marvel head and that kind of got the blood going in into thinking the possibilities of marvel outside of the mcu um really juiced about that but like alan wake 2 oh my gosh not on my radar at all i only played an hour of the first one because i was too scared as a kid um (laughs) absolutely adored control but this is extremely my jam um it, it 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 despite being a very dour and scary game I can't help but smile. And I don't know what that says about me as a person, um, but we don't need to go into that. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, but it, it just speaks to me on so many levels as a fan of video games and like the medium of video games, but also as like creative and also someone that just enjoys movies and cinema. Um, this game is doing stuff that a lot of other games, I don't think I've ever thought to try. I don't want to spoil anything, but, um in alan wake's campaign chapter four i I was left awestruck uh i I see christian pumping his fists and it's just something that uh it's up there with what they did in control there's a a level in control that was like there's never there's never been there's never going to be a video game level like this and then remedy was like no we got you we 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 can do it again and i was like you did it (laughs) <laughs> dang jerks did it <laughs> and and if anyone is in my similar shoes as mine where you may not have checked out alan wake one or um you've only checked out a couple other remedy games i think alan wake 2 does a fantastic job at onboarding the player um through the lens of saga one of the other characters as uh, in learning the whole rich lore of this huge remedy verse that they are creating over there it's it's great absolutely adorable i also feel attacked personally because they kind of call out drinking insane amount of coffee and that's something that i do (laughs) it's a horror game what's the horror (laughs) too much coffee (laughs) yeah i'm a scaredy pants and uh i gotta i guess i gotta just talk myself into revisiting this game because i i played about two hours of it and it kept it it kept yelling at me like it would <laughs> I would be playing it and I'd be like okay well I gotta get the clues and then it would scream at me and the face would show up and I would be like I don't want to feel that I don't like being yelled at uh, please uh, stop and uh, it wouldn't so I stopped but I guess I got to talk myself into getting back on board because I'm just I my my poor nerves were not handling it well but everyone says it's so amazing I don't believe Christian when he says it but you Jan. <laughs> Telling oh, me it's you. amazing, I believe. 
yeah, it's also a visually stunning game. And like, that's true. Yes, in, in a year where we've had stunning game after stunning game, this looks absolutely fantastic, and it's it's scary. I I almost went and bought like a really nice flashlight after this game. <laughs> I'm just like, I'll just go what to the P and W. One of those flashlights that you can like push harder and yeah. it like shoots, it, it shines brighter for just a little while, but it really uses up your batteries when you do that. Right, right. Yeah. And just uh, <laughs> keeping a bunch of, I, they look like D batteries in the game. <laughs> just keeping those in my, on my person. Yeah. Yeah. You know how flashlights will do that where you have, yeah. you, you have on and then you have like really on. <laughs> it's like those old shake flashlights from the early 2000s. You just, <laughs> Believe a little bit more, and it'll shine brighter. <laughs> That's right. You you uh, use that flashlight with your speaker hat. That's yes, my understanding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christian, I know you've been singing this game's praises uh, for a while. I should also note, folks, if you're not a patron, uh, we dropped a bonus episode talking to um, an evangelist at, at Nvidia specifically about the way they have worked with Remedy to make Alan Wake so spectacular on PC. Um, and that has already dropped for patrons and will drop in the main feed this week, Christian. Yeah, say. we had Jacob Freeman on from NVIDIA yeah. and it, it's, I think this week in the main feed, um, it's a really cool chat about DLSS 3.5 broadly and reflex and stuff like that, but then also specifically on Alan Wake too. Really, yeah. really fascinating. Cool stuff. Cool conversation. And uh, anyway, yes. you've been, yeah, you, you, uh, you have more to say, I'm sure. So last week I had not quite rolled credits because of when codes come in and timing and life and stuff like that. I have now rolled credits on Alan Wake 2, and I only now further believe that it is one of the finest video game experiences Ah. I've ever had. I mean, maybe even media experience I've ever had. Uh, I've sung the praises of interactive media before about why I think it oftentimes at its best can stand head and shoulders above non-interactive media, traditional media. And I think Alan Wake uses the medium so effectively and to create a story that can only exist in video games or certainly best exist in video games by having you be playing and controlling these characters. And a few things I wanted to point out from last week's that I didn't specifically call out. We do have that uh, conversation with Jacob for patrons now, but I, I, I have not played this game on console. Digital Foundry tells me it's great and it runs great, but my God, on PC, on a beefy GP, I have a 4080. I mean, just stunning, just absolutely stunning. So a console, it might, it might be just as stunning. I don't know, but the hair effects I want to call out specifically Saga's hair is incredible Alan's hair is incredible. And these are long haired people. Alex Casey mm-hmm. has more traditional video game hair because spoiler, he's the face of Max Payne. Uh, not actually a spoiler, just Sam Lake. So Sam Lake's face has been on video games for a while and he has video game hair. Uh, Alan Wake and Alan Wake. It must two be hard not... for him to just keep video game hair. Cause he keeps putting his face in video games. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I can't maintain. change the hair. Uh, <laughs> he can't. He's no, gimmicked no. up. He can't <laughs> yeah. put it away. now. <laughs> That's right. People know me as this hair. Um, <laughs> But Saga's hair in this world of light and darkness and Alan's hair, and there are areas where there's uh, film projection happening across them and over them is phenomenal. And while this game still relies on combat as a core loop mechanic of the game, I was constantly surprised how little 
combat there is in the grand scheme of things and still how interesting the game is. There is an underlying tension that the world creates, I think because of its use of flashlight and light and darkness, where I'm playing this game, and I I truly don't know if Remedy designed it this way or not, but there are things in game that when your light hits, it looks like a person, just like in the real world, you start freaking yourself out when you just Uh came home from seeing Smile in theaters, your family's asleep, you walk in and you're light from outside hits the door jam just right you're like was that a is that is it that's a, that's a, it's, just, it's just a light it's cool it's cool and alan wake 2 does that through the graphical tech and the lighting um schemes they've designed in this game where i just loved being in the world and far more often than not i'm not engaged in combat and i found that super rewarding and on top of that so much of the game uses what I would call, I'm sure I'm not coining this, but dream logic because you're in this dark place as established in Alan Wake before. And I can't imagine what level design, you know, what that map looks like, where it's like go through the same door five times. And on the sixth time you go through the same door, but it's a different door and it connects to this. You look at the map and it's just, that's here and this is there and that's there and in the moment it all makes sense but it it feels like a dream and it is just uh yeah one of the best experiences i've ever had it is spooky jeff i'm not gonna lie to you and say it's Mm -hmm. not or that they stop doing that they don't stop doing that the game is scary um the game is tense but i think it is a very different type of scary than dead space and even than resident evil um it's less grotesque than dead space certainly and dead space. There's a lot more combat in my opinion and in resident evil, there's way more combat and in Alan wake too. There's a lot more of just atmosphere um, mm-hmm. in, in what it delivers. And the last point I'll make Jan uh, to you specifically is as someone who is deeply knowledgeable, I would argue of remedy lore and everything. I still don't know what happened in Alan Wake 2. You know, like you can come into it new, you can come yeah. into it experienced, and it makes the same amount of sense. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, it, yeah, I think it's probably some of the best use of FMV in a game ever, uh, other than like a purely FMV game. I think this takes, I, I just, I can't wait to see the design doc, like you mentioned, Christian, for some of those levels that do feel like a loop and like, I've been here five times, but I think I'm still going the right way. Um, and just a lot of fun little Easter eggs scattered across. Um, gosh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I feel like I'm very close to the credits. Um, and I, I just don't want to leave the world. Wow. Fantastic music as well. Uh, which I understand carried over from, uh, Alan Wake one, but a lot of great, great tunes in this one. The very end cool. is really nice. Also, it sticks it, it, in my oh, opinion, that's sticks great it in in a way that fits, you know, the genre and the great, like there's often great stories and you finish it and you're like, it's over. Um, Alan Wake two, in my opinion, very much sticks its landing and uh, is great up until the end. And my total play time was 21 hours uh, and change based on the save data for folks interested. I'm happy that Alan Wake and remedy is kind of joining the greater pantheon of horror games. Cause now I think of it up there with resident evil up with dead space. Silent Hill, that's a different roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't ever put the first Alan Wake as a horror game. You know, it really felt more like a thriller or a you know sort of a 
cre- creepy, but but mostly not really a horror game. Uh, and it seems like they've really embraced that. To my chagrin, but <laughs> to people's delight. Uh, Christian, what else is on your playlist? Uh, it's been too long since I've done my uh, Apple Arcade call out. Um, I wrote uh, this past Friday's newsletter, uh, tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. I wrote about subscription services in general. And one subscription service that I have kept is Apple because they have bundled me into necessity of like, iCloud and Apple TV Plus and Apple Arcade and fitness. And, you know, they took the blood straight out of my vein and they keep it that way. Um, but because I have it, calling out NBA 2K24 Arcade Edition, they've been doing these NBA 2K games as part of Apple Arcade since 22, maybe 21. It's, it's fantastic. I am going to qualify this, but at the same time, I am going to say this is the best version of NBA 2K24 available. It plays phenomenally with a controller. You can play it on your iPad or on your phone. I play it on my phone at the backbone. They've added more of the my career stuff or create a player, build a player, run a player through the whole thingamabobby that was kind of missing from the first iteration of it. And while it is not the prettiest or the most feature complete version of the game. The reason why I will die on the hill of saying that it is the best version of NBA 2K24 is because it's on Apple Arcade. There's nothing, no microtransactions, none of that spend a currency to get the thing, to go to the barbershop, to get the haircut that lets you then buy the Jordans. If you don't want to do that, you can spend $5 to get this and 10 more credits to do that. Yes, there's still currency loops and carrots on sticks to pull you back in, but the whole game's there. And I have loved these 2K games for a very long time. I think going back to maybe the PS4 launch, Jeff, was when I spent too much time talking about it uh, way back then. And this game has gotten graphically better now, this Apple Arcade version. And as the microtransactions have crept up in <laughs> the main console version, having this version on my phone or iPad or whatever is awesome. I'm curious for folks that are hardcore into that managing a team or managing a season or grinding a player through if they'll find as much to like in it as I do. But for my money, i.e. my subscription service, it is the best version of NBA 2K24. And if you have Apple Arcade and you've slept on it, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. I bet there's something in there that you'll that you'll really love. It's you're great. Gonna, you're going to die on that Grant Hill? Hey. See what I did there? Bravo, did? bravo, bravo. Hey. <laughs> You could have brought AI into the conversation, but I guess we, we already talked about AI earlier in this episode. Am I right? Am I? Am I, I right? gotta check that out. I uh, I have not I have not tried it. I have I have an Apple Arcade subscription as well. By the <laughs> way, you know we talked about Wonderbox uh, being a yeah. great Apple Arcade game uh, eons Love ago. My son is obsessed with Wonderbox. He plays it on uh, my iPad, and what he does is he makes levels. He, he's mm-hmm. gonna, Daddy, I made you a level. It's so hard. Can you can you beat it? Watch. Oh, oh here, hand it to me. I can show you how to beat it. He's making levels with it. That game is rad. So anyway, quick shout out to Run Wonderbox. Well, I'll continue the Apple Arcade shout out. They had an announcement just uh, last week. Yeah, it was between shows. But a new son, a new 3D Sonic game is coming to Apple Arcade right. exclusively. Yeah. Sonic Dreams, I think, is what it's called. Yeah, and then. Uh, Disney Dreamlight Valley is coming yes. to Apple Arcade as well, which it won't cross save with your existing um, game, mm. I believe, because it. 
but it also doesn't have microtransactions. And so if you have someone who's interested in that game, it kind of seems like the way to play it. The only asterisk on the end of that that I would add is that it does require a newer iPad than a lot of, at least my family, you have as kind of like the, this is now. Yeah, the trashy kid iPads. The, the kid iPad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. That's going to be a hit for that's a lot a of solid, folks. That, that is a solid farming building type of game, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to do gangbusters for Apple Arcade. And I just looked. I also have a subscription to Apple Arcade that <laughs> I forgot like, about. You get the Apple One, you know the 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 whole thing. You, you get it. It's there. It's like yeah. I want Apple TV and I want Apple Music. And okay, I'll take Apple Arcade. Why not? You're giving it to me anyway. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and then the last game. I hope to talk about this more next week or so. But I got a code for Ghost Runner Two, and I loved Ghost Runner One. Uh, really saying its praises when it the first game came out. It was awesome. It's a um, preci- three first person but precision platformer where you're um, oh gosh what mirrors edging through a world so to speak navigating these complex levels. But there's actually combat that's enjoyable in Ghost Runner, and Ooh. you have your katana and hey, you Sick know it's burn true. on Mirror's you, Edge, baby. <laughs> you know it's true. I'm bringing the hotness back from 2005 <laughs> with that Mirror's Edge burn. Uh, uh, but it's one hit death, and then instant reload. You can, there's actually an option. I forget if it was in one or not, but in Ghost Runner two, where you can have it say, not even show you the you died screen, like you die and you just immediately start back at the beginning yeah. of the loop. Nice. And it, I'm I'm playing on PC. It also is gorgeous. The first game was gorgeous. This game has DLSS bells and whistles in it, and ray it's like tracing, that neon, and like soaked, cool cyber ninja thing. Yeah, it's very pretty. I I am aware of a thing that happens about halfway through the game that changes it. Right now, I'm still very much in the beginning part of the game that feels similar to the first. Has me doing things I was doing in the first game. I'm aware of something that changes. I have not gotten to that part yet. Um, and then I've had several game crashing bugs. Um, so I'm hoping there will be a patch um, that will help uh, that where I get like a some type of like runtime. I don't know. Some error pops up. I haven't screenshotted. I've sent it off for hopefully helping uh, get it fixed. But it pops up and then crashes, which for Ghost Runner to that style of game is kind of frustrating where I, for the way I play, I beat my head against a wall over and over and over again until my fingers learn it. And I kind of figure out the puzzle and then to figure out the puzzle or be in the middle of an awesome run and then have it crash. It's crashes are always a bummer, but from what I've played, I really enjoy it. It's still beautiful, still a big fan of the franchise. And I hope next week or so I'll be able to get to that second half of the game and and see what it uh, brings new to the table. Very cool. So that's ghost runner Two, NBA two K two four. And of course we've been talking about Alan wake too. Uh, I have uh, a couple of games on my playlist this week. My my recurring theme is games that are hard to pronounce. <laughs> because uh, the first game I want to talk about is called Jusson. Jusson. Uh, I believe that's the correct pronunciation. But there's actually a uh, very a charming. Uh, I got a I got a code for this game early, and there's a very charming uh, little video they sent along with it where the developers are like, it's pronounced Jusson, but also <laughs> however you want to pronounce it is fine. Fantastic. So it's, uh, yeah, which was lovely. Uh, it is um, J-U-S-A-N-T. So it looks like Jusant, but it's uh, Jusson, which is a French word that means uh, rising tide, I think. Uh, anyway, this, in a in a year, as we've mentioned, 
that is just overflowing with game of the year contenders. I put this in the, in the discussion. It's a short game. It's an indie game. It's in that sort of like, you know, uh, you could play this game in, in a sitting. I played it in two, I think. Um, It's very short, but I don't think that should be a detriment these days. I think that's kind of a beautiful thing sometimes is like this really wonderful game that you sit down. I, I, let's put it this way. I played this game in less time than it took me to watch killers of the flower moon. Oh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) It's about three and a half. This is about three and a half hours, right? So it's it, but I mean, you could probably take more time with it. The idea of you saw is that, it's this fantastical world and you are literally climbing this tower of an, a, a, a sort of um, uh, destroyed culture. It's these, these people that lived in and around the sea, but the sea has dried up and there's no rain, there's no moisture. And so they've disappeared or died off. You don't know. You're, and you are this person with a rope and a backpack and this little creature and you are going to ascend this giant tower that used to be i think underwater that's the entire game it's pure exploration zero combat it's a it's a game where there's no violence whatsoever it is just traversal and the traversal is awesome my only caveat is that I constantly was re- was comparing the experience of playing Jusant with playing The Climb or The Climb 2, which are VR games that I very much enjoy that are basically the same thing. The Climb franchise is about climbing a structure. And because you're in VR, you're actually reaching out, grabbing hold of these uh, you know, uh, ledges and things and pulling yourself up. And I actually went back and played The Climb uh, some more after playing Jusant because I was like, I just want to remind myself what it was like to play the climb. And I honestly think Jusant would be better if it was in VR. Like if I could physically be doing it, that's just my personal kink. You know, that's just, I'm, I'm a VR <laughs> Which guy. Which you can add to every game Jeff talks about, by the way. It's every true, game but in this, <laughs> this one, we have like a one-to-one comparison of like, what is a game about climbing? Well, is it better to use the triggers on your uh controller no it's better to literally reach your hand out and grab the ledge and pull yourself up that's bet it's cooler but i do think that they have managed to map the idea of climbing a a structure to a controller in a pretty clever way Uh, as i mentioned it's basically the left trigger and the game is like play this with a controller um because i played it on pc um, it's also available on Game Pass, I should mention. Um, so you can check this game out. You can probably finish it, like I said, in one sitting or a couple sittings. Um, and so you, so your left hand is one trigger, is the left trigger, and your right hand is the right trigger. And you are you, you always um, attach yourself with your little rope. And you've got, um, I can't remember what they're called. Because of the P, pylons, py, py, pyrons, whatever they're called. Climbers will know. Uh, you have three of them that you can plunk into a wall at any point, which if you know anything about climbing, you know, like that's like the, it's a little hook that secures you and keeps you safe, right? So you're climbing, you're looking for handholds, you're climbing, you're trying to figure out how to climb. 
uh, left hand, right hand, and you, and you can kind of time it. So you're kind of going at a, a pace. You've got stamina. So if you, you know, if you take too long, your hands will get tired and you can slip off, but there's no death. There's no falling, plummeting to your, to your death. You're always hooked in. And depending on where you choose to put your little pinion, pinion, is that what they're called? The little hook thingies. Maybe it's a P. Anyway, wherever you'd stick those things in, like it, 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 it's effectively a save point, right? Because oh. the higher up you put and you get to these, you know, you'll, you'll climb, 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 and then pull yourself up to a full ledge and start exploring the like next level of the society that has been abandoned. And, but you know, as you're climbing up, you can put the little uh, hook in the wall and you're not going to fall any farther than that. You'll never far fall farther than that. So it's like this really cool version of a save system or a you've gotten this far with some limitations because you only have three of those, right? Very clever. And you'll be, you know, you'll do some like um, some Nathan Drake type Wait, stuff too where you're do swinging. Those, hmm? Do those respawn or is it three for so, the So yeah, game? Every, time, every time you get to uh, a, an actual platform or, a, you know, the next level of the society where you're, walking around these abandoned houses and, and looking at stuff. Um, you, you push the, the B button on the controller uh, and you retract your rope. So you, you are taking your rope off that, that anchor point and then all your little pinions or whatever they're called. Uh, pythons? You know, pythons? Pythons. That sounds right. There we go. Thank you. Somebody looked it up. I appreciate <laughs> you, Jan. Thank you. Um, I should have looked it up before I started talking, but um Anyway, so yeah, those get replenished when you get to the next, and that happens fairly frequently. Like you, and, and and I should mention that this is a fantastical world, and it is beautifully art designed. I love the art direction in this game. It is so beautiful. This this abandoned world that you're, and you find like writings and and uh, you know journals that people have left, and and you kind of get a sense of who the people that lived there were and what was going on. And there's a story that unfolds in, in your journey up this massive uh, structure. And, but the, the structure itself has so much character and, and identity to it. Just the design of how these people lived and there's sort of ropes and pulleys and uh, there's like barnacles on everything and, you know, stuff is broken, but like the, the design of this alien culture, it, it very much feels like an alien culture. Um, is so beautiful and and just wandering around their little abandoned hovels and you'll find a crevice and like go deeper into something and find a little uh you know like a, a like a prayer stone or like a little temple or something and there's like moments of real beauty in the game and you're constantly finding these shells that he'll blow into or listen to and it, and just hearing it will sort of give him a sense your your main character give him a sense of the people that used to live there. You never see them. You never like get flashbacks or anything, but you just get, you're just picking up context clues from the way it's designed and the, how they used things. It's an exquisite game. It's really beautiful. And I love how it is like it's sensibility is pure exploration, not violent. I mean, it's believe me, I, as I was kind of turning away from Alan Wake two, I started playing Jusant and I was like, Oh, this is more my speed. <laughs> this is this makes me feel safe and happy. And yes, it's about an abandoned culture, but it's so beautiful. And it's just like pleasant and the colors are lovely. It's just, 
I, I love this game. It is really worth everybody playing. If you have a Game Pass subscription, please play Jusson. It, it Like I said, it won't take you long, but I think this is an absolute gem of a video game experience. I loved it. I also want to tell you about another game that's, I don't know if I'm pronouncing correctly. Uh, this one's called Balatro, I think, or Balatro, or Balatro. I don't know. Balatro, whatever. It, this game is not out yet. There's only a demo. And I will tell you, folks, this game comes with a real warning. It will steal your life. <laughs> Just the <gasps> demo. It will, if you're like me, it will steal hours from you. Sounds like you're describing Alan Wake again all of a sudden. Uh, this, <laughs> this game has a warning. Do not. <laughs> well, it's not because it's scary. It's not because this is like one of those games where it's like, oh, this doesn't look like much. I'll just fiddle around with it. And then like you come out of a fugue state three hours later, like I've been playing for so long. Uh, I have – I was recommended this game. Uh, people are calling it like the pure roguelite, like a pure – almost perfectly designed roguelite. And that's not wrong. There is, this is poker. (laughs) So already I've turned some people off, but it's poker as a roguelite. And it's done in this really fun aesthetic. At least I find the aesthetic very, very fun. It's almost like you're playing at a video poker machine, like from the nineties. It's, it's kind of this uh, pixel art, video poker machine and it's got a a filter on it that looks like it's a crt monitor you know it's got little glitches and like uh scan lines and stuff um but what what you're doing in this game is you are making poker hand combinations and each card in the deck has a value to it and so the combined value gets filtered through a multiplier that you can manipulate. And so the the inherent value of the cards that you are putting into a poker hand times the multiplier equals the amount of chips that you win per hand, okay? So you have these fights, I guess is the best way to put them, these confrontations between you and uh, an opponent that call them the big blind, the little blind, and then there's like boss blinds. And what you have to hit a minimum number of chips in a certain number of hands. So you're given a bunch of cards. You're given more cards than you would get in a poker hand. You're given, I think, eight cards. I believe it's eight. Um, And you start building poker hands. And you can discard cards to try to get better hands. And you start building – you build poker hands. You don't have to do five-card hands. You can do – if you have a pair, you can just do two cards. Or you know, if you have two pair, you can just do four cards, whatever it is. If you want to do a straight or a flush, you need to do five cards. None of this sounds interesting, right? <laughs> None of this sounds unique or cool or <laughs> the fact that it will like addict you like cocaine. It is – the genius of this game comes in the fact that you are able to manipulate this multiplier in really interesting ways. Because when you so when you meet the minimum number of chips in a in a hand, you are awarded money, a payout, and it's like four dollars, six dollars. 
you, if you're really rocking eight dollars, but it's based on if you have if you've done it in the fewest number of hands that you can in order to hit the minimum. So you're trying to do it. So you're have, trying to have these really powerhouse payout hands to have hands left over because you get money credit for the hands you didn't use. And then you take that money and you immediately go into a store and that store lets you purchase these, a whole bunch of wild things that all of a sudden start giving you these builds in your roguelite run that are, that get friends absolutely bonkers. And it is so you, so you, there's these jokers that you can have in play and the jokers will add rules or break rules as the case may be that mess with your multiplier. So there'll be things like if you make a straight, your multiplier is bumped up by five or 15 or whatever. Or if you may have a, a flush or, or if you do it, you know, have this, if you have odd numbered cards, like, you know, three, five and seven in your hand, then you get an extra multiplier or whatever. But that's just the tip of the iceberg because things get nuts. And you have these other kinds of cards that let you do like sort of uh, they're like um, consumable cards that let you um, mess with your hands. There's packs that you can open that have a variety of things in them. And I mean, evidently just in the demo, there's like 150 jokers, different jokers in the, that are available and I think in the full release, they're planning to do like quadruple that or something insane. And you get to these crazy runs. Like I got this Joker that was a glitched Joker. So it was like, it looked all glitched and weird. So every time I made a hand, it would randomize the multiplier. So it would like add, maybe it added a five multiplier. Maybe it added 50 multiplier. It was just sort of like this crazy wacky thing. And you start building these incredible loadouts. Cause you can only have, I think five jokers in in play at one time and other cards, the consumables, you can have two at a time. And you start building these like wild loadouts that really is sort of the essence of, in my opinion, what a roguelite is, is like I have acquired these power-ups and now I'm building this Rube Goldberg machine of uh, interplay between those power-ups so that, it makes my play style do this certain thing that a different run I would never be able to do. So each run is, is this wildly different play style. That's what I love about roguelites, right? That's one of the things I love about them. And this is like that distilled and concentrated. And it is very addictive. <laughs> I mean, if you're like me and you just love it, it's fast it gets challenging. It's interesting. And so then you get these boss battles that you get into. They will have – the boss has a debuff that will can totally mess with you. And so you're like forced to have five-card hands or it will be like if you use any hearts in your hand, they don't count. Or it will say um, – just, just wacky things that make you, you – know, you have to uh, – you, you don't get any discard. You can't discard a card for this entire fight. So you only get what you get, and now you're in trouble. Uh, it, 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 I don't know if I'm doing a good job describing Bellatro. I am <laughs> – I, 
I'm hooked on this game. It's okay, ridiculous. Jeff? It's ridiculous. And I think the reason you were struggling to describe it is because I can see the reflection from your glasses. You're actively playing it. I'm which I feel like is rude right to now. our listeners. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this game is only a demo. You can only it's not out yet. And it's so deep and so dense, and you could just keep playing it right now. They don't they haven't said when that full game is coming out. But I I I don't usually just recommend demos <laughs> to people, but if you like roguelites. You got to give Blatro a try. It is, it it's it's crack. It's crack. Is there is there an end? Well, like, for the demo, there's it? an end. Yes, for the demo okay. is you can only go up to anti five, which I don't even want to explain what that means. But <laughs> the um, you can only go so far in the demo, but you can keep doing new runs, and they're not any less fun. It's like there's no, you know, you play um. Hades or something to like never heard of it yeah see where the (laughs) story goes or find the open up the next cool but this is just this is just infinite gameplay loop (laughs) it's just pure distilled strategy gameplay that never gets old (laughs) never gets it's 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 wild how much they've managed to jam in the interplay between these cards even in just a demo, it's, I don't know. It's pretty intense. It's pretty cool. And it's just like, it's one of those games where, you know, you play an Alan Wake two or a Spider-Man two or a, or a Starfield or something. And you feel like, Oh, I did something. <laughs> this, this game is, I just wake up three hours later. And I'm like, I've accomplished nothing. <laughs> I've gotten no farther. I've experienced no new things. I just had this. It's, it's like candy. It's like pure candy. Um, uh, but I, I think it's pretty fun. It's pretty darn fun. As I, the, I enjoy candy. This this seems very dangerous because one of the uh, similar games recommended on Steam is uh, a game called Super Auto Pets, which, mm. Jeff, I had a similar experience <laughs> with it where I lost weeks of my life because of it. <laughs> um, and I'm going to blame you, Jeff, if I do <laughs> oh, fall no. into a deep hole with Balatro. Bal- Balatro? I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know what it, what, how it's pronounced, but it'll get you. Yeah, I, I never played that one, the Super Auto Pass. Oh, I stay actually, far away, Jeff. Okay. Stay far, far away. <laughs> Duly noted. Duly noted. <laughs> but if you, I don't know, if, have you heard of a game that came out early this year called Aces and Adventures? I think I heard about it from you. Oh, I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. It, it, is, it also takes the uh, the poker hand as game mechanic idea a very very different approach uh it's also sort of a roguelike but um it it really created like an adventure game like a like a role-playing game but all your attacks are creating poker hands great game great game very different from this um but i you know i love that here are two games that are basically card battlers using poker as the central mechanic and just wildly different approaches it's such a neat comparison in my opinion more poker more more poker yeah i mean that's the last thing i need in my life i guess but yeah <laughs> um all right so that's Jusson <laughs> and balatro i think i don't know how they pronounce them uh all right let's uh we, we got a little extra time let's do a uh, tabletop time Right now, right now. 
Jan, you've been playing a board game that I know is very popular these days. It's one of those ones that like crossed over from being a uh, an enthusiast hobbyist's board game to being real mainstream, like in Target, you oh, know, yeah. in Walmart. Uh, what have you been playing? I've been playing Wingspan. Um, and just like you said, Jeff, um, this popped onto mine and my partner's radar. And she's a big fan of playing Catan, Catan, however you're supposed to say it. Um, and this is a very systems heavy board game with a lot of moving parts, not actually moving parts, but a bunch of eggs. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't want to dive too deep into it, um, but it is a very fun game where if you have ever appreciated a bird in your life, then this may be for you. If you've ever thought about birding, folks, this could be for you, um, where you are laying eggs, uh, placing down birds um, in a lot of. I, I say moving parts where uh, it starts a lot of chain reactions as you keep going throughout the game. And this is a one of those board games where it's very complicated to learn how to start. But once you get going, the strategies start quickly developing. Um, the team behind Wingspan has put out a bunch of expansions at this point. Yeah. The neat thing about Wingspan, though, I forget the name of it, but there's a companion app or you scan the card that you place down any of your bird cards and it will play the specific bird calls for those birds. It's really cool. It's really cute. Um, yeah. It's you very chill. Bird calls. <laughs> it's like everyone wants to learn bird calls. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and on each different bird card and there's an obscene amount of birds, just like there are an obscene amount of jokers in Bellatro. Yeah. They all have fun little facts about the birds. Um, and we caught ourselves saying like, wait, is that a, north american turkey over there on the side of the road <laughs> um it, it's really neat and also you know some board games can get a little dour or a little bit too serious but this is a really fun one where it's appreciating a bunch of birds of different varieties and sizes uh yeah this is wingspan the, the uh there's also a um uh a mobile version of yes. this game you can play if you don't want to get the uh the actual cardboard version uh, but I have a funny story to tell you about Wingspan. Oh, please. Um, you know, I recently moved here to Colorado and, uh, you know, as one does, you sort of start making new friends and I'm of the age and place in my life where I tend to make friends by meeting the parents of my kids' uh, classmates, right? So, you're, you know, you go to go to the school function and you meet the the parents and you start becoming friends and you start hanging out and you start getting to know each other a little better. Well, we have these, um, my son has a friend in one of his classes whose parents we really like, and we've been hanging out with them a bit and, you know, they come over to my house and they see my obscenely large collection of board games and they're like, Oh, we, we like board games. We like board games. And they're, what kind of board games do you like? And I was like, Oh, I like really, you know, really complicated ones. Like, Oh my gosh. We went over to a friend's house and they played this game. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called Wingspan. And it it's it's about birds. And we were like, what? <laughs> They're like, <laughs> we didn't understand how to play. And every time a new card came out, they insisted that we sit and like learn about birds. And we were so <laughs> bored. And we were like, the game was so complicated. They're like, you don't play games like that, do you? And I was like, oh, no. That's <laughs> like, oh, if if you think Wingspan is complicated, uh, about eighty percent of my collection we can't play together. <laughs> but <laughs> it's very funny to me. But 
Uh, I think it's a delightful game. It really is fun. Yeah, and uh, it's neat because some board games, you know, you need three to five players. This you can play perfectly fine, just you and one other person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great, great game. Wingspan, again, if you want to check it out, uh, I believe there there might be even a free demo. I know there's a great iPad version uh, of Wingspan, um, but you can find it uh, pretty much anywhere. And Christian, I know you've been playing some board games recently as well, right? The first one I want to talk about is a game everybody's heard about, Jenga. Nothing special about Jenga, um, but Jenga, like um, Uno, they've iterated a million different versions of Jenga or tried to. And so the one that has made an addition to our family is Giant Jenga. I highly recommend Giant Jenga. It's still just Jenga, but it's giant. And there is something. <laughs> some way I mean, to know it, that. It's in the name, right? They're not, they're not hiding the ball. So I'm not going to – Jenga, you move a block, put a block, the whole thing crumbles. Um, but I actually want – This one's so big that if it crumbles, it will crush you. Jeff, <laughs> yes. That's that's where I'm getting. That is 100% it, my friend. I, I want a giant or Jenga, not for like the cleaning up purposes – but there's something, in my opinion, <laughs> physically <laughs> harmful Jenga. Yes, yes, danger like, Jenga. <laughs> if if Saw Eleven was Saw Eleven colon Jenga, I'm oh, buying it. Man. Right, that's that's what I want. There is something, in my opinion, Cinder better. Block <laughs> Jenga. As long as you set it up for me, yes, please. You know, there is something, in my opinion, more satisfying about giant Jenga than regular Jenga. Because when it falls, it's bigger. It makes a bigger <laughs> noise. Like my youngest is afraid of it, like pinching her fingers. It won't. It's not that giant. It's not, you know, that giant. But I think playing it outside, you know, you'll probably see this at campsites. If you go camping or, you know, stay in some rustic type cabin thing and you dig through their games, I bet there'll be a giant Jenga by the fire pit or something like that, which you know, you get cold, you throw a giant Jenga log and you get 10 more hours of more fire. But I really do think that this is the best version of Jenga from how the size changes, the physics manipulation of it. And then just having this thing that seems like there's more stakes to it because it's bigger, it's more substantial. I don't need to spend tons of time on it, but it Jenga is universally fun and giant Jenga is universally giant, more fun. Uh, <laughs> You Fair also enough. may have a leg up on the kids then because of the height advantage you have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. see, now you're just they got to work at the bottom. They got, they're stuck working it. on the bottom <laughs> layers, the, the, the fragile bottom layers. <laughs> yeah, I want to buy Jenga, Jenga colon, your kids can't reach the top, um, <laughs> which is also known as Jenga colon, dad wins, which I'm a big fan yeah. of uh, dad wins Jenga. Giant Jenga, it's great. Again, it's Jenga, but giant. <laughs> The second game, I don't think we've talked about this on the show ever, Jeff. Um, it's called Ice Cool. I think it won a bunch of Dice Tower Family Game Awards back in the day. There is an Ice yeah. Cool 2, which is fine. Uh, I prefer the original. The sequel adds you can like move some stuff around. But a game we have talked about on this show before, Jeff, is Flick 'em Up, where you're yes. kind of a cowboy on a table and you use your fingers and you flick some bullets and you knock things down and around the world and ice cool works in a a similar manner it requires a decent amount of table space or we often play on our floor as a family and it's ingeniously packed where it just looks like a regular board game box but as you unpack it 
each part is then within it. And there's four little rooms that you connect together using provided wooden clips. And then it all folds down back into this nice box. Yes, and the, the prim- box is the game area. It's, it's, it's pretty clever. Yeah. Yeah. And not giant. I mean, it still takes up a lot of square footage. <laughs> it's not small. Not, it's not small. And then <laughs> the, the way the game works is one person is playing the role of catcher or defense and the other characters you can play up to four i believe you're playing these little penguins and you're flicking them and in the rules it shows you different types of flicks or like hits you can do to kind of scoot your character but it's a flick as you try to navigate your character your penguin on this iced floor and go through certain doorways to collect little fish uh, and while the other, while the catcher tries to prevent that from happening by flicking their character to make contact with your character. And so you can play these really fun, heated 1v1. I mean, it seems silly to say, but it feels like playing a 1v1 first person shooter back in the day where you're just in this duel with this person and you're running around the map and you know where they are and you know where they're trying to get, you're trying to intercept them. And then it becomes more hectic when you play four players because you still only have one person playing catcher but you have the three people then trying to move through the doors, but they're also getting in each other's way as they try to navigate. And at the end of each round, you get points based on if you're the catcher, whether you hit the other players and how many times, and if you're one of the other players, how many of your fish, how many of the doors you successfully went through either before one player collects all of their fish or the catcher hits one of the offensive players twice. So the rounds are fun. Everyone is always playing every round it doesn't take a lot of time to flick there's not a lot of analysis paralysis and you kind of wonder which door to go through so if you're playing with a group of adult friends in like a wine and cheese game night and you need a you know a breath of fresh air after playing an overly complicated game ice cool is super simple to explain the rounds are fun and fast and kids also love it and i found pro tip when people start getting angry and frustrated, play ice cool because you're literally taking out your aggression <laughs> in a contained, physical, flicky little way. If you're, it's a very active board game. If you're frustrated by being crushed by giant Jenga pieces. <laughs> no, when you are crushed by giant Jenga pieces and all you have is your arm sticking out, you can still play ice cool. You can still flick around. Wow. I recently uh, tried to bring my family into a more complex board game. We we play lots of board games here at the house, but many of them with my children are uh, very simple. I mean, we, you know, I, I've railed against Monopoly, not a fan of Monopoly, but I got to say the Bluey Monopoly is pretty oh. good. Bluey Monopoly, not bad at all. They've refined the rules, very streamlined. Great for my five-year-old. She loves it. We, I mean, literally played f- four times today. So uh, there are a lot of games like we play lots of Uno. We play lots of stuff. But I wanted to sort of bring Giant intro- Monopoly. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big symbol. To- <laughs> that's a giant dog. That's a dog-sized dog. Um, the, <laughs> the, uh, I just wanted to sort of bring them into the the, the more, you know, complex kind of uh, hobbyist board games that I like. So I got a copy of Stuffed Fables which is a game that is a big sprawling campaign and has a big campaign book quest after quest that tells a big story, but it's made ostensibly for kids. The idea is you play as stuffies, you play as stuffed animals. uh, And there's this girl who falls asleep and she's kind of under attack. And you as, as her stuffed animals have to protect her from various nightmarish creatures. 
Um, but you know, not it's not Alan Wake too. Let me put it <laughs> that way. It's you know, it's 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 there's danger, but it's it's for kids. And uh, the idea is you you know you you'll pick a character. You have there's these various stuffies that you can select, and they have different stats and different abilities. And uh, you go through this story uh, by you know you have uh, you have abilities that you could do, and and you have different actions that you can take, and each quest has a different objective and there'll be bad guys that pop up that you have to either fight or deal with in some way and people you need to talk to and decisions to make. And it was going to be like this cool ongoing campaign that we were going to sit down and have family game night and do. And ah, man, I got to say it did not go over well. Uh, I don't know if it was me, if it was on me of not ushering them into it, or it was the time of day that we tried it. I've been wanting to get it to the table a lot and, you know, it'd been hard and like, Oh God, we all got to be focused and get in. And man, it, it did not, the first two quests, we did the first two quests. The first quest is very simple, very tutorial. It's just like bad guys show up on the kid's bed. You got to move around and, and vanquish all the bad guys before you can move on. And then the second quest, you get transported to this fantasy world and you have to do certain things. And it didn't, go smoothly and everybody wasn't quite sure what they were supposed to be doing. And I, I feel like it was a real misstep and I, I, I don't know if I should blame the game or myself, but I don't think that I know that it, it came very highly uh, recommended. A lot of people think very highly of this game. I think very highly of the designer. Uh, I believe it's plaid hat uh, who is a, one of my favorite uh, publishers uh, of games. They have a very high quality level. Um, and the game itself is very high quality. The components are very high quality. The art is beautiful. There's a lot of cool miniatures in it. But it was a real miss for us. I, I, I have to say, it was not what I was looking for. It did not feel like it captivated. Maybe my kids are too young, five and seven. But um, I don't know. I would love to hear if people have had more success with stuffed fables than I have. Because uh, I don't know if we'll get it to the table anytime soon. And it was was going to be like our thing it was going to be our thing i gotta find a new thing so there you have it tabletop time all right that's it for this episode of dlc you do know that we have our parting gifts coming up so stick around for those folks because uh some interesting fun recommendations but jan ochoa it's always awesome to talk to you thank you so much for being here thank you for having me i always have a fantastic time i learned so much and Oh gosh, I might I might go pick up poker again now because it's a free guys. demo. It's a free demo. <laughs> it's free. Uh, tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the awesome stuff that you do online. Uh, you can find me on whatever they're deciding to call Twitter or X at uh, <laughs> at underscore Jan Jerome. But uh, mostly, you can find me at giantbomb.com. It's a website mostly about video games. Um, but I host the Giant Bombcast, and we just announced that we're doing the Bombcast twice a week now. So. Find us on Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, the Fridays ep- Friday episodes we're starting to call uh, Bombcast Revengeance. Why? It was just a silly idea that we had in a meeting and decided to run <laughs> with it. Um, also, BCR just sounds cool. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, more revengeance across the internet. Good revengeance, at least. <laughs> I love it. Congrats. That's awesome. It's, uh, it's, you guys do such an awesome show, and it's, it's amazing to get uh, double the show double the show every week very cool uh christian spicer what about you what do you got going on this week well i mean we are 
on thre- this show's on Threads, uh, which is DLC Hype Train, also on Instagram and on YouTube as DLC Pod. But it was on Threads where uh, it was pointed out that we've entered into the fifth season of the year: winter, spring, summer, fall, goatee. We are officially in goatee season. Oh boy! Go- oh, it's gonna be a hard. Happened. It's gonna be a hard season this year. This is the hardest wow. of the goatees. I don't want to say that's why Bombcast is doing two episodes per week, but I'm also not <laughs> going to not say that. I mean, I, I was in none of those meetings and I knew nothing about it, but like who's leaking go- this to you, Christian? <laughs> it's goatee season. You know what I mean? So I'm just very excited for the for when Jan tries to argue that Bellatro's demo should be game of the year. <laughs> Anything is on the table now, Jeff. I thought you were going to say when they canceled two episodes per week because Jan is playing Bellatro. Uh, <laughs> very ridiculous. Um, and then I have a newsletter. I mentioned it earlier. It goes about about goes out about twice a month uh, where I write long form conversational pieces about video games. You can subscribe to it for free at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. This last one was about the all-encompassing, never-ending rise of subscription services and what that might ultimately mean for gaming and what it kind of currently means for TVs and movies. So folks can check that out. Um, they've been fun to write and uh, people seem to enjoy them. So yeah, tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer is where you can find it. You can follow me on socials. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And uh, other shows I do include the Filmcast, uh, which uh, is about movies and TV shows. I do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns and a sports show called The Fan Controlled Show, all of which can be found wherever you get podcasts uh, across all the places that you find things. Check them out. Uh, all right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Jan, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Uh, yeah, actually, the uh, series finale, at least the anime version, of Attack on Titan uh, came out. So yeah. it's been a long time coming. I love when a show just ends. You know, that doesn't happen <laughs> enough. And it ends yeah. properly, I should mention. Yeah. I mean, ends rather a lot than of shows have ended. Being showed. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. Like to see uh, a vision go all the way through. Yes. Yeah. Attack on Titan. I just heard that, that it's finally coming to an end. That's wild. Uh, very cool. And where where is that showing? Uh, I believe you could catch it on Crunchyroll yeah, uh, right cool. now. Yeah. Right on. All right, uh, Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? Uh, the spinoff that's just starting, it's called Peace on Titan. After years <laughs> of attacks, they finally resolved their differences. Um, it was my oldest birthday recently, and with her friends, we went out to a ropes course here in Southern California, something that she has done several times throughout her life, and uh, my wife and I have done as well. And you should do one. there great and they're the type of thing that doesn't a picture doesn't do it justice because it's the type of thing where when you look on the ground and something is 15 feet in the air and you know that they're all secured they have carabiners and they're locked in and it's structurally sound and everything's built better than i built a giant jenga um and you look at it and you're like no that's okay you're having fun up there kids or adult person like that looks really fun but then when you go up there 
and you're 15 feet in the air or 20 feet, 30 feet, whatever it ends up being, and you you still know you're securely clipped and you know that the thing you're standing on is secure, but it's still wiggling just a little bit, man, there are very few things that I think prey on my lizard brain quite the same way as a rope, as, as an obstacle on a rope. It's like we have this very simple path that's a little wobbly and in the middle of it, we put a tire. Good luck. And I'm like, this is the best four minutes of my life. (laughs) Wiggle around this tire. Uh, It's subtle. It's easy. It's super fun. And it's not as death defying as skydiving, which I imagine is similar. Like, you know that this is all safe in whatever, but like, my God, still terrifying. Yeah. I guess skydiving is probably riskier, but look up. I bet you have a ropes course within a, you know, drivable area around you. They're super fun. Usually pretty inexpensive. Uh, Highly recommend. Well, now you got to play Jusant. Christian, that's a oh yeah, it's like, an next logical play. I would, but yeah. I want to play. I, I'd want a game like that in VR, and they don't make one. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a uh, recommendation for you, uh, a parting gift uh, that is uh, another animated show. So, if you're done with Attack on Titan and you want you want the next thing, may I humbly suggest uh, a new show that has just hit Max, the one to watch for HBO. It is called Scavengers Reign. This show is mind-blowing it's science fiction the idea is uh uh the spaceship had a problem and people jettisoned from it and landed on this alien world and this alien world could not be more alien it is weird and they they're trying to survive they're scavengers i'm not going to spoil what happens but uh this it, it's very adult uh it is it is made for adults it has uh salty adult language uh it is it is kind of grotesque at times but my goodness is it mind blowing and cool one of the cool uh, the animation is really interesting the visuals the 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 way the alien world works and all of the sort of things that the problems they encounter this show's awesome. Scavengers Reign, highly recommended on Max, the one to watch for HBO. We've got a listener-suggested parting gift as well. This comes to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes from Chris from Commerce, Texas. Chris writes, uh, I, re- I recently noticed that the Patreon app had updated. Lately, I've been using it to watch your show because that is by far now my preferred method of consuming your content. The visual style of your video presentations, as well as the fun retro theme that you have in the margins, makes it so much more fun to watch than listen to. I must pause and say, that's all Christian Spicer, ladies and gentlemen. Kudos, Christian, for making a uh, a fun it's video the mustache. version. It's my whole personality now. Just yeah. the mustache. <laughs> Just the mustache. <laughs> um, Chris continues, however, for the longest time, the Patreon app was kind of abysmal to watch your videos on. If I picked up my phone, even briefly, it would completely exit the video, and I had to tap multiple times on my screen in a very tiny space to get the video to go back to the right size. Additionally, there were all kinds of notifications on my phone that would completely exit the video feed, making the app such a hassle to use. Well, those issues are no more. Quality of life updates have been made to the Patreon app that complete uh, that make uh, audio and visual content so much more possible than they were before. And Patreon has completely revitalized the app to be audio video content friendly. Turning it sideways on a video now automatically shifts to widescreen. It acknowledges 
that's on CarPlay as a video audio app now. So you can double tap to go forward or backward. Different subscriptions are now organized so that you don't scroll in an endless feed to find updates. The app now consistently remembers where you left off in audio or video. And the tiling system is less confusing and more aesthetically pleasing, et cetera, et cetera. Tons of quality of life updates. Given that you're releasing YouTube clips from the show and may then end up with more subscribers who want to see the entire show, it's so nice to know that those subscribers will now be arriving to find an app that seems to be completely displaying the media they want to consume. Thanks so much for the great content, uh, the great podcast, especially the video versions. And I hope you and everyone else will check out the Patreon app's revitalization. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Admittedly, uh, this was a cool way for us to tell folks that the video version of the show is really fun and you can watch it. Uh, But uh, thank you, Chris, for telling us that Patreon actually made it better. Uh, Patreon.com slash we, or excuse me, we have concerns. It's my other show. Patreon.com slash DLC pod is where you can get the video version. And now it's uh, actually very good to watch. So thanks, Chris, for telling us about it. All right. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on our show, send it to us. It doesn't have to be about us be about anything send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com all right that's going to do it for this episode of dlc thanks again to jan ochoa and christian spicer for hanging out with me thanks to our musical contributors patrick l sean madigan and zero star for the great bumpers our theme song was composed by white cube which is jason sherry and t ryan arnold you can get swag for the uh, for the show at dlcswag.com thank you jesse j anderson for that Our biggest thanks, though, are reserved for our patrons who make the show possible. Thank you. And our hype train patrons are getting their own video games. It is time now, Christian, to talk about a couple of games. I know I know you remember, uh, but some of the folks that we we talked to don't quite remember some of these these older games like the Jad game. Remember the Jad game? Remember Jad? Uh I remember when the Jad speaker hat came out. I definitely <laughs> remember the Jad speaker hat, but yeah, that, that was, was just like, a, yeah, that was like branding and licensing. And the reason why they were able to make a speaker hat is because the idea, just the brand, the IP of Jad meant so much to so many people uh, oh, yeah. when we were kids where oh, yeah. everybody was like, Oh, Jad's just a fad. And I'm like, you're just saying that. Cause it rhymes Timmy <laughs> on the playground. Like, yeah, Jad is a I like to call Timmy lad. <laughs> no i've created a monster i've created a monster no no i, I thought totally i was rad, always though. under the impression that jad was an acronym um mm. you know i remember it, it, it for a long time they were they were you know remember remember just dance mm-hmm. before that was just always dance <laughs> remember and just I, always I, dance I do remember Mag also, the ma- massive action game. Yes. But what people might not remember is <laughs> just always dance. Just always is, dance. Which is uh, uh it was also it was an, uh, a massive action game. Yeah. Yes, it was a massive action. Well it was a, it was a it was a uh a, like a, a dancing choreography game, uh, but also an endurance test. It was uh it was really uh, quite intense. <laughs> I mean, now that we're here talking about it, I will tell you that I, I know I joked about him earlier, but my friend Timmy is still dancing. Um, always. You must. He has, he has not stopped. And Just I was like, Who, always is it a dance. fad now, Timmy? Yeah. <laughs> Who's the fad now, lad? <laughs> that isn't to say that uh, that was even, even you know, the, uh, that's the only game that we want to talk about. We got another game to talk about. 
You remember the remember Josh Peak? Uh, you mean the peak of '90s platformers? Yeah, yes. of course, of yeah. course, of course, of oh. course. I remember the Josh Peak because what I thought was really clever about it is like there are obvious. You know, we've already we did puns around uh, just always dance, but there's also puns like the Beatles. You know, like yes. also new song, new Beatles song out. But like the it's like the Beatles. Well, it's like peak, peak. Oh, you spelled it wrong. And now with Josh Peak, or then I should say, it was like, did I? <laughs> did I? Because yeah. it's both, baby. It's both. Yeah, take a peek at Josh Peak, right? It was uh it, I and remember, the pinnacle uh, platformer, the literal it was a peak. pinnacle platformer. It was a platformer, yeah. you know, Super Mario Brothers, Sonic, you would go left to right. Josh Peak, bottom to top, right? You, you ascend the peak. I remember it. I remember you get to the top of the peak in the final level and you arrive there and there's a flag at the top and you get, you get to the, you pick the flag up and you're like, Josh peak. And that was, that was the end of the game. That was very good. You, Which, you, yeah. Really good. Incredible. Um, like VO. You can tell they spent all of like the memory, the sound memory. Yes on the game for that last, like before you had like rise from your grave or whatever <laughs> altered beast did at home or yeah. like, you're like, that's yeah. a bad Admiral Akbar. But like Josh peak was crystal, crystal, crystal clear. clear. Really nice. Yeah. But you only got it at the end of the game after like 13 hours. Yeah. Which Timmy never saw it. Yeah. No, he never did. He was always <laughs> dancing. He never got uh, there. But yeah, we want to thank both Jad and Josh peak for being, uh, being long time hype train level patrons. Thank you. I hope you enjoy your video game. And if you'd like to become uh, a hype train patron and get your own video game as described by Christian and myself, head over to patreon.com slash DLC pod. All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.